It's, it's not a gift, right? And the government's not really interested in giving gifts to too many people, but if played right, the strategy is that it allows you to literally decrease your tax liability to zero. Welcome to the uh, Millionaire Listed Podcast. Today, our, our guest is Yona Weiss. Um, he is known as the uh, cost segregation expert, saving millions of taxes to property owners. Uh, welcome, Yona. Thank you for your time. And uh, please uh, let us know how you started into this uh, cost segregation field. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me on. <clears throat> Apologize, a little, <clears throat> a little under the weather here. But my, um, yeah, conservation is an incredible concept, and you know, I'm really blessed because I work for like the biggest company in the entire United States doing this. But it's a little, you know, it's a small company. Kind of started out small as a, a title insurance company, and then grew into other other things in the past 15 years or so, 20 years. I got involved just a few years ago. And I was looking for a job, you know, in the end of the day, I loved real estate and I started getting involved investing and I was doing brokering and all kinds of stuff, but I really needed something like a job that really kept, gave me some, uh, some balance and some, you know, some steady cash flow. Cause as a real estate broker, I don't know if you, you've been down that route. It's like, you know, it's yeah. like up and down, right? You're like, Oh, every day it's like, Oh, I'm going to close this deal. And then, and no. then, you know, as a mortgage broker also, it's crazy, you know, and then you have like ups and you're going to close. I have like hundred deals in the pipeline and then like nothing closes for like three months and you like starving, you know, borrowing money and stuff. It just wasn't, it wasn't for me. So I ended up, you know, finding this company. It was a great fit. They're really the experts and I learned very quickly. And so I learned from, from them, from the experts, from the CPAs, from the, you know, the, the people and accountants that are in the company doing the actual studies. And I'm, you know, more on the business side, the business development and trying to, you know, kind of fit in how to reach out to as many people as possible. And I found that so few people actually even know what cost segregation is. I like took it upon myself to just like teach the masses, you know? Nice. So could you cost segregation evangelist? <laughs> I love it. Yeah. You got to reach, reach that word out, you know? Could you uh, describe uh, what is cost segregation? And then also, uh, when you started out, did you also get a CPA license? Are you are you a licensed uh, professional as well? Sure. So I'm yeah. So I'm not a licensed CPA. We have plenty of them in our company on staff. So like I said, I learned from them about what it is. I don't actually do the physical engineering work or the accounting work. I leave that to the, the professionals, the experts. But I would say that I probably know more about this subject than 90% of CPAs out there. So it's just a matter of finding a niche and finding a knowledge you know, base and kind of delving into the depths of it. Um, so... To go back and answer your first question, which was, I think it was a two-part question, and I skipped yeah. to the second part first. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, what you know. What could you dive into? What exactly? Yeah, what it is exactly. Is, yeah. So it's more. It's a tax deduction for real estate owners, and more than anything, it's really depreciation, and it's a more advanced form of depreciation. But depreciation itself also gets really overlooked and misunderstood. So depreciation is a 
tax deduction that you get, you're able to write off. The IRS gives you the ability to write off the entire value of your property over a certain number of years. So if it's a residential property or multifamily over a 27 and a half year period, you can actually take that purchase price and write off the entire value of that over those number of years. Cost irrigation allows you to identify the different things in the building and segregate those out, so to speak, to faster depreciation lives. So instead of waiting 27 years or 39 years for commercial building, you can actually take huge tax deductions in the first year or the first five years that essentially we are accelerating those depreciation deductions. Now, let me ask you, Yana, when, when you say deductions, um, is this a gift that the government gives you or do you eventually end up paying as a property, uh, as a property owner? Uh, do those taxes eventually get uh, captured paid to the government? Yeah. So yeah, so it's it's not a gift, right? And the government's not really interested in giving gifts to too many people. But if played right, the strategy is that it allows you to literally decrease your tax liability to zero. And especially for someone who is continually buying properties, it's the best strategy out there to literally create all losses. So all the income you're producing from your properties and potentially even from other sources, if you're a real estate professional, that you can have paid zero income tax on during the life ownership. When you sell a property, you have a tax on that sale called depreciation recapture tax. Okay, without getting too complicated, this is a tax at 25% that allows the government to now recapture some of the taxes that you didn't pay all the time that you were taking those deductions However, there's ways even to get around that by doing a 1031 exchange, further okay. deferring that by doing something called partial asset disposition, which lowers that basis to literally not have to pay any of it back. And so again, it's not a, all about paying back, it's more just being taxed later on. So someone who has a smart tax strategy can, and buying more than one property over a number of years can actually figure out ways to reduce their taxable income all the time, even on the sale of one property, they'll have enough losses from a second property to offset those taxes. That, that's amazing. So that's kind of what I wanted to ask about the right. recapture. And I think you hit it with the 1031. So as you're buying and selling, you can 1031 into a, a larger property with another investment, essentially move that liability or that recapture tax and defer it again. Um, Correct. Well, does that actual recapture now goes away because now you have another property? Um, so it, it doesn't bundle up, right? It just moves into the next asset that you are moving into. You're deferring right. the taxes exactly. for the old one. Okay. Wow. Right. So that's amazing. So you can essentially keep doing that and snowballing your whole uh, real estate career and, you know, almost never or, or pay minimal taxes in the, in the long run. Exactly. And, and like I mentioned before, there's strategies and ways to go about it. Someone who is buying a lot of properties, even without the 1031 exchange. So there are ways to do it because with the sale of one property, you can create, or with the buying of one property, you can create enough losses or deductions from that to offset even capital gains or other taxes of a different property. So there are a lot of strategies. You always want to discuss this with a competent CPA, a tax strategist to make sure that you're covering all your bases, especially someone who is heavily involved in real estate. You want to make sure that your accountant 
is very well versed in real estate because there are probably more tax deductions and strategies around real estate investing than any other field that there is. Awesome. Glad you're. So um, one of the things that I heard over and over in the last, uh, probably in the last couple of months, now that I'm, I'm starting to learn more about uh, cost segregation and all that, is the uh, bonus depreciation. Can you explain to us what that is? Sure. So bonus depreciation is a, a law that came about the recent tax reform that allows you to actually, it's an option. It's, it's not something different than cost segregation, but once you get a cost segregation study done and have the engineers identify the different assets that depreciate at a faster rate, now you can opt instead of taking stuff over a five-year schedule like personal property or a 15-year schedule like land improvements, all that stuff, you can actually now go ahead and take all of that depreciation in the first year. So you can essentially accelerate a huge amount. I mean, we're talking on multifamily properties, 20 to 30% of the actual cost basis of the property and take as a deduction in the first year. So that's the option that you could do called a 100% bonus depreciation. Now, if, if there's an option, I'm guessing there's a benefit to doing it and there, like there's pros and cons, right? Mm -hmm. What Absolutely. is the benefit of, of somebody doing it like, let's say the first year instead of spreading it, you know, uh, five, 10, 15 years or all the way to 27 years? Again, this is really going to be an individual question. The advantages okay. are if you need those extra deductions this year, uh, you can actually take that and use those deductions. Now, I'll give you an example. Okay, I have a, a great client out in California also who's the top real estate broker in his county. Okay, big name, big top real estate guy. He also invests in properties, also owns properties. And, you know, he was getting hit with a tax. We were making over a million dollars in his real estate business. He was getting hit, you know, $300,000, $350,000 of, of income tax, okay? Mm -hmm. What we did, okay, took, uh, bought a property for a few million dollars and was able to find, allocate the depreciation to cost segregation and get 100% bonus depreciation of a million dollars from that property. That means on a $4 million property, he was able to take $1 million as a first year tax write-off. Now, usually if you're not a real estate professional, Mm -hmm. You can only use those deductions to offset income from your properties, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah. if you're a real estate professional, you That's can actually good. use those deductions to offset your other income. So what he did was, right, he only had about, from this property, only had about, um, I think it was around 200000 or like 180000 income, net operating income from this property, right? So taking a million dollars of deductions to offset $180,000 is gonna just gonna create a loss, right? Yeah. But what he was able to do was use that to offset his active income as well, and literally paid zero taxes um, instead of paying $300,000 of taxes. So again, if you need those deductions and they can be used, by all means, that's gonna be the benefit. If you can't use them, so it's just creating those extra deductions, creating a loss uh, to be carried forward, which you could use in future years, but you're not going to benefit it from it immediately. Okay. So you mentioned that, you know, these larger numbers. So is there a minimum that you recommend for uh, 
asset worth that you should be doing this and when does it become not advantageous to do it? Sure. So if you're looking at, I mean, first of all, Madison Specs and like most other big firms out there will run the numbers for free just to give you an idea of, you know, what you can expect by doing a full consideration study. That being said, it's usually my rule of thumb is like over a million dollar purchase price is like a no brainer. You're going to see there's so much tax benefit there. It just makes so much sense to get it done almost no matter what. Uh, there are exceptions obviously, but for the most part, under a half a million dollars is usually not going to be beneficial. There's still going to be something there, but it's not going to be enough to really make it make sense. It's really in the middle there where it's going to be dependent and more subjective between a half a million and a million. But if you do have a property that fits that criteria, I would say reach out and get that free estimate and make, uh, you know, make it a point to like at least educate yourself and see what those numbers would look like. Yeah, no, that's perfect. So when should a, uh, someone who's in the process of, e of either acquiring an asset or has one, when is the best time to actually do the cost of irrigation? Is it uh, right before they own it, when they acquire it, or even if they're late in the game of knowing cost segregation, uh, let's say five years on the line, uh, can can they, I guess, catch up? Is there a way to, to do that? Yes. So the best time to do it is really going to be um, if you, you know, are under contract and acquiring a property, it's best to look at it, you know, from the get-go to see what, can I benefit or can I benefit from this in the first year already? Okay. So I always recommend if you're under contract with the property, reach out, get that free estimate. Once you actually end up buying the property ownership, you know, the sale, the closing happens, that's going to be the best time to actually start getting it done. Um, the process is usually about six to eight weeks for us to actually complete the study. However, to, you know, what you asked it, which is a really great question. What if you didn't know about this? Is there a way to catch up? And this is really something a lot of people don't know about it. You can, you can retroactively go back and get those missed depreciation deductions that you could have taken, but you didn't know about, or you didn't want to for whatever reason, without having to amend any tax returns. So you can literally get retroactively all those missed deductions, um, you know, now in this year. And there's a, a form you have to fill out to, you know, with your tax return, which actually we do as a service for our clients it's called 3115, 3115, but it's not something that needs to be amended tax returns. So it's a much simpler process. Okay. So being that a lot of people don't know about this, right. And, mm -hmm. and a lot of people might not, might not be doing it right now. And you mentioned that it isn't, it is an option. Um, is it recommended to opt out from, from, from doing uh, cost segregation? It's something that, you know, everyone should look at their own situation and see if okay. it makes sense for them. Uh, right. it's, it's definitely worth educating yourself to see if those numbers, if it's going to be something that's going to benefit you. And usually if you're a real estate investor and you're planning on buying more than one property, you know, the cash flow and the ability to make income and not have to pay taxes on it, the time value of money that's there far outweighs, you know, not having getting it done. Okay. And I've got a question also. Um, for example, let's say somebody didn't know uh, about cost segregation, right? And it goes a couple of years in that, uh, that the owners made a lot of renovations on the buildings. How mm -hmm. do you, how would you approach that? So there's, you know, really what we do is the engineers are going to identify the property on the acquisition side. So we're going to look at the property 
what's there, okay? What can be depreciated? What can be fit into these faster depreciation lines? When you're doing major renovations, so we're also going to look at not only the cost of the acquisition, but we're also going to look at all the capex, all you know the additions that were added to the property. Because again, all of that, those additions are going to be added to the tax basis. Okay, so you're going to have more potential ways, you know, more money to be allocated across, you know, across those different categories. Right. Wow. So a little bit different question here, but. Sure. Uh, we already saw the, the tax laws changed under President Trump, mm-hmm. um, and you're obviously you know well aware of what they are now. Um, any any significant changes? I know you already mentioned the cost segregation and the bonus uh, depreciation, but anything else you've seen uh, that you know people should be aware of? Uh, and also, where do you see taxes going? Right? Because I mean, as as more people know about this stuff and and as you know, you hear agendas, do you right. think this might be something that can go away? You know, I think cost irrigation has been around for decades. You know, it's not something there was benefit that was given to it through the bonus depreciation in the recent tax reform under Trump. But it's, it wasn't from him per se, because oh. you're, you have to remember that Congress passed this. Now, the fact that Congress themselves, and for historically, you know, the members of Congress happen to be uh, the vast majority of them, real estate investors. So, <laughs> yeah. y- you know, they're not really in the business to uh, to making it hard to invest in real estate. They're in the business to find, give extra tax benefits for real estate investors. Now, you know, whether, you know, even without that, there's obviously benefits and there's incentives that the government wants that because real estate is probably one of the primary, you know, drivers of the economy, okay? You have creating housing, creating jobs, creating places for people to live. So any place, you know, they want to incentivize people who are buying properties, people who are developing properties as much as possible. I don't see anything, you know, really detrimental happening to that, even if, you know, you have certain socialist, uh, you know, parties that, that want to change that kind of stuff, you know, and give more taxes to the rich. It's going to be very, very difficult in my mind to, to, take away these kind of things. So what you're saying is they don't want to hurt their own pocket. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that makes total sense. I mean, yeah. I, I wouldn't want to tax myself more. Yeah. Um, yeah, it makes sense. So, so I, got, I got a question. I'm kind of curious. You mentioned that um, in the process, right, that you send engineers to evaluate the properties and all that stuff. What is the process for these cost segregation evaluations? Right. So the first thing, like I mentioned, we'll send uh, a free estimate, right? So that's really for more educational purpose. You know, we discuss that. We show you what the difference between regular depreciation versus accelerated depreciation is. Then if someone wants to do it, we'll engage, we'll send one of our engineers. So the reason why you need the engineer, the IRS requires someone who has experience in, you know, the building engineering to be able to identify the assets in the property that can depreciate on a faster life and versed in the tax code that lays that out. So we'll send one of our engineers, you know, we have 17 engineers, you know, in-house that are doing this across the country. They'll come prepare back, prepare a report based on all those findings. Okay. They're going to take pictures. They're going to take measurements. Then we're going to look at different, uh, you know, things. We're going to look at the appraisal. We're going to look at the survey. We want to make sure that everything aligns with our findings to make sure we can maximize what those benefits are 
Come back and create a report. The report is usually 80, 90, 100 pages long, very detailed, outlaying all those calculations. And what that does is prepare a new depreciation schedule. Okay, your depreciation schedule is usually just a tax form that says how much the property is worth, how much deductions I'm allowed to take this year. What we're doing is we're making a very more advanced schedule that's breaking the property down into different um, lives. So what's on a five-year schedule? What's on a seven-year? What's on a 15-year schedule? What's on that 27 and a half-year schedule? Breaking that all down. And that's really, in the end of the day, all that you need to take, give to your accountant, plugging in those numbers into your tax return, and you're, uh, you're good to go. Yeah. So I'm not sure if we, if we covered that or if you maybe mentioned it, but if you, how much does it actually cost to do the cost segregation? Sure. So it's going to be different for every property, um, slightly different. Now, we don't charge whatsoever on a contingency to tax savings. It's a one-time flat fee based on the scope of work involved. So, you know, typically for multifamily properties, somewhere between four and $6,000, um, that's what we'll charge as of now, 2020, right? <laughs> Listening yeah. to this episode. Uh, but you may have firms charging more, charging less. It's somewhere going to be in that ballpark, okay? Anyone who's coming out and saying, we're going to take 10%, 20% of your tax deductions, I would run away, you know, as fast as possible because not only is that this, right? But it's also, you know, un looked down upon in the IRS's eyes because they're basically no longer a third party, um, you know, telling you what your tax deductions are going to be. Awesome, man. Question. So the, uh, you mentioned, I mean, we talk about multifamily, multifamily, that's what we're focused on. But mm -hmm. for example, for, for owners that have um, portfolios, right? Yes. Mix of multifamily, single, um, multi uh, single uh, rentals, um, is it recommended or can we, can they do cost segregation as well? Yeah. Like I mentioned before, it has more to do with the cost basis, the amount that with the purchase prices, what's going to be the amount that we can actually accelerate. What, what can we depreciate more than the actual type of property? So even for a single family property, but if the cost basis, let's say is a million dollars. Okay. That's, there can be still a lot of tax benefit there. If it's a single family and the cost base is $100,000, there's not going to be a lot there. It's yeah. not going to make sense. If you're dealing with a portfolio, okay, and you have, let's say, a number of properties that you bought all together as a portfolio, then they're all usually going to be depreciated at once. And therefore, you can lump them all together into one study. If they're going to be each one on a different schedule, it's going to be looked at individually and see you know, what's have to do a study on each property uh, is going to be less cost efficient for smaller properties. That's amazing. That, that's really, I think for, for our listeners and people who, who are interested in real estate, I mean, th this is essentially, I think the, the secret <laughs> that mm -hmm. one, or one of the secrets for you to uh, be able to minimize your taxes and actually get into that 1% of that population because you're holding mm -hmm. on to most of your uh, your income, your your cash, right? Your cash flow. Exactly. That's, yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, it's and it's a really a mindset mindset uh, kind of shift from people who are in the corporate world, the people who are on a W two. You're getting your income tax a lot of times deducted from your paycheck, okay? Whereas rental property, 
you're not getting anything deducted from your paycheck. You're getting all that money. Okay, you're getting the net operating income, that NOI from your property. Now, when you go to file taxes, how do you go ahead and create those legal deductions to, to offset that income, reduce that liability, and therefore keep all the money that you're making so you can now go ahead and re- reinvest that? Yeah. Do you ever run into people who tell you uh, this is too good to be true? Yeah, for sure. All the yeah. time. But again, it's more about education than anything, right? You know, even even my father, when I first you know came into this industry, and he's a very very smart guy. He's a, you know he's a he's a doctor. He's someone who has invested, and he he owns his own uh, real estate. He owns single family properties, right? But he didn't know about this accelerated depreciation. Okay, he knew obviously knew what depreciation was, but he's like, this sounds too good to be true. Of course, we went through, we discussed it, I showed him. But yeah, even educated people can think that this is too good to be true. But again, this really goes on the principle that you have to spend time learning and educating yourself and just expanding your horizons. No, that's, that's definitely true. You got to continue networking and someone always has a bright idea that you don't know. And you're like, wow, that is uh, that is eye opening. hundred percent. You're not question. And I'm curious, how would somebody uh, get into what you do? What do they need to do? Where, what, what type of field do they need to get into to, uh, to do what you do? So, it's interesting because what I do, I just, I just, I'm, I'm a networker, right? Mm-hmm. I'm in business development. Cost segregation itself, you know, if you want to be an engineer actually working on those studies, you got to get an engineering degree, okay? If you want to be an accountant working on those studies, you got to get an accounting degree. If you just want to be a fun guy and just hang out, you know, do social media stuff and go to conferences and speak on podcasts and stuff like that, anyone can do that. Okay. <laughs> So it's got to be, you have to be confident and you have to be able to, you know, be humble and be able to just put yourself out there and and learn. Okay. So my question is, do you, to do what you do, right? You'll be one of the experts, right? You're known for being an expert on on cost segregation. Do you need some type of uh, certification? Do you need to go to like, to be a broker? I know you have to go to school and and, and be a broker and have a a license, right? Uh, Do you need that type of certification to... To be you, to do what you do, <laughs> besides having the, uh, the, the, the network and, right. and the, uh, uh, charisma to do you know, everything that you do and we see you doing on a daily basis. Right. So I think the important thing to point out here is that I'm only an expert as much as my team are experts. Okay. Okay. So the fact that our company is the biggest company in the country doing this, that we have a team of 60 people that have been doing this for decades and that I've learned from them and just am like the voice of the company. Got it. You know, that's really what you need behind you. No, you can't just, you know, wake up tomorrow and say, hey, I want to be an expert at something yeah. and then just go out doing it. No, you actually have to have that team. And I couldn't be the expert if I didn't have that team behind me actually right. doing the work and actually having that, um, you know, the responsibility for that work. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I mean, you got to have a team. You can't. You can't do anything in this world alone. You're not going to make it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. off topic, but I know you're launching a, a podcast as well. Can you tell us a little bit, or, or you're, it's in the works, can you tell us a little bit about um, you know, what you're planning on doing with that podcast? I got these headphones, and they're like, I think they're a little tight. I'm like playing with them. <laughs> new headphones. I got this like fancy microphone over here. Oh, look at you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking to get the green screen, you know, in the back. 
Yeah, that's nuts. And my camera just went out of focus. Okay, yeah. So what am I doing? You know, I I love this. You know, I love talking to people and I'm spending a lot of time going on podcasts and just sharing my knowledge, but there's so many people out there that have so much more knowledge that I really want to learn from. So instead of spending my time, you know, every day just talking on other people's podcasts about one subject, I want to do the same thing, you know, to kind of engage my network and engage really smart people around the world who can, who I can learn more from because I love to learn. And I love different subjects. So I want to try to help more people. And because I have such a vast audience, I think I'm able to, you know, really help a lot of people by, by kind of using this platform to share knowledge. I think that's awesome. I can tell you that for us, it almost seems like a mentoring session when we're listening to our guests. Exactly. And we get so much out of it because, uh, I mean, it's not... Not everyone knows everything. And when you start putting little pieces together, right. you start figuring out some crazy ideas, some awesome you know, potential there. Yeah, yeah, there's so much to learn. And it's like such an amazing thing that you can literally call up anyone yeah. and just like ask them whatever you want. <laughs> exactly. It is like a mentoring session. It's great. Yeah, exactly. So just to, uh, just to um, start wrapping this up, because I know you're a busy man. Um, I heard a lot about how you, so you have six kids, right? I did a little bit of research. <laughs> and, and also I know that you look up to them, right? Um, and that you were, your background is in education as well, right? Uh, what do you, or in, what would you tell your kids when they're ready to, to go in the world, right? Um, what do you recommend them? to to do you know or not to do according to the mistakes that you made in life you know for them to succeed or get to that that point faster you know kids are especially teenagers are an interesting breed Mm -hmm. right yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know i have two teenagers now and the only uh you know the only consolation i have is that i was once a teenager also but, but, and I made it out all right. But the truth of the matter is you have, you know, they don't like to listen, right? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter really what you say. The end goal is trying to, to look and see where you want them to go, right? Where you want them to get to. And you can just kind of guide them and encourage them, you know, with positivity and with, you know, encouragement to you know where's going to be a good place to get to education is is key okay and asking questions is key without that you're going to be so limited and to you know to provide them with i guess the knowledge that there's so much to learn in life but the encouragement that you have that ability to to get there whatever you want to do so that empowerment you know just encouragement is probably more more important than anything else yeah no, and, and I'm pretty sure you're setting up the, uh, the, 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 the right example for your kids. So, um, I hope so. Yeah. yeah. No, you are. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, um, so let, let, let us know where uh, people can, can find you. How can they reach you? Um, yeah. What's the best way? You can find me on LinkedIn. That's a great place. I spent a lot of time there. Um, you can reach me if you want to send me an email, give me a phone call, whatever you want. I'll leave my email over here, yweiss 
at madisonspecs.com, especially someone who's interested in looking to get a free estimate on their property. And um, yeah, happy to discuss further with anyone, any questions. It's actually really interesting. I get oftentimes, I'll get people reaching out to me, which is what I love and saying, hey, I just listened to your podcast with so-and-so and you spoke about this. You know, can I ask you a follow-up question on that? So that's really what I love to do. So if you're listening to this and you have any follow-up questions, please don't hesitate to reach out. No, that's awesome. And we'll, we'll put your info out there on once we release the episode. And I'm sure you'll get flooded with a lot of, a lot of messages. <laughs> but we want to thank you for coming on and, and sharing all that knowledge that you have. We, we really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me. And good luck with the podcast. This is going to be awesome for a lot of people. Thank awesome. You. Thank you so much. It.